five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston, and today we are looking at three films: Moonfall. Jackass Forever and The Eyes of Tammy Faye, all of which were released in UK cinemas over the last week. I'm joined once again by my wonderful co-host, Lewis. Hello. And I usually introduce you first, actually. I don't know why I didn't do that today. That is what you but do. Yeah, I, I feel very neglected yeah. right now. Well, how are you doing today, pal? I'm not very well. I'm ill, actually. I'm very uncomfortable. Really, that's not good. I'm, I'm unwell. But I'll, I'll survive. I'll soldier on. I'll soldier on. How are you feeling? I'm not doing too well at all, Lewis, to be honest, mate. What's wrong because with Because what's wrong with me is I've just recorded a two-hour-long <laughs> podcast that no longer exists. Um, me and you just did a Oscar Reactions podcast, reacting okay. to the Oscar noms, including... It was a great wonderful, podcast. It was a really good podcast, including the excellent Christian Stewart getting a nomination for Spencer. And Lady And then the fucking file went and just glitched out. So yeah, I blame we you. haven't got a file. I blame Audacity. So we are going to do our Oscar reactions in a few weeks. No, probably next week, I imagine. Um, but it's all right. I'm going to Vienna in four hours. So, so I'm getting a little break to think about all these things I can talk about in the new version of the Oscar reactions podcast. Yeah, you, can, you can mull over all of the things that you said. Yes, so today we are going to be looking at, uh, as I said, three films. We're going to be looking at Moonfall, which is the new Roland Emmerich um, disaster movie. He's been described as the new master of disaster. He's directed films such as 2012 and uh, Independence Day. We're also going to be looking at Jackass Forever, which is the fourth installment of the Jackass franchise, or mainstream franchise, there's been a fair few other uh, spin-off films, uh, but the fourth uh, installment of the main Jackass franchise, which sees the Jackass gang uh, of Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville and the like, returning after 10 years uh, and, and putting together a kind of last hurrah. And The Eyes of Tammy Faye is going to be the third film we're reviewing, which is a biopic of Tammy Faye uh, Baker, who was a televangelist in America from the kind of I think was you seventies to nineties, yeah, or sixties to nineties, yeah, starring uh, Jessica Chastain, uh, Andrew Garfield, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, who's of of, uh, Daredevil fame. so we're looking at all of those, um, and 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 yeah. So starting off, um, since we last recorded, which was uh, about a week ago, um, what have well, you it was watched? About, it was about ten minutes ago, actually. Te- technically, yeah. <laughs> but what have you what have you watched since last time we did, or what did you last Ooh, watch? Let me uh, have a look. I forgot that we were doing. Do you this. want me to? Um, I've only seen one film, so I can I can talk well, about Well, you go that, first, then, while like. I pull up my letterbox. Yeah. I've only seen one film, but I'm about to go on a tube, and then a coach, and then a plane. So I'm going to probably be watching a few films over the weekend, uh, over the, the time away. Because uh, I'm halfway through passing right now, and I've enjoyed the first half, uh, and I haven't watched the second half, so I can't tell you my thoughts. Um, but I did watch a film which... I'm sh- you told me to not tell you what my thoughts on to the podcast, but I watched the 
2019 slash 2021 film Deer Skin. Yes. What did you think? So I loved this film. I thought it was insane. Yeah, so Deer Skin, if anyone doesn't remember from when we described it when it came out, Deer Skin is a story of a man played by Jean Dujardin, who was... Did he win Best Actor? Yeah, for, for the actor. For, for the actor. For, for the, the artist. artist. Yeah. Uh, Jean, de, Jean Dujardin, uh, it's a French film. He's a man... Uh, and it's got, who, and I quote, it's, it's also got, and I quote, the bird from Deer Skin in it. Well, yeah, she is the bird from Diskin. She's the bird from Diskin. Yeah. Adele um, Hanel. That's that's how I described that because I, I haven't seen Push Lady on Fire. Oh, Lady on Fire, so I didn't know that she was from that. Yeah. Anyway. So I described her as the bird from Deerskin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adele so, Hanel as a bird. Sorry. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> a man played by John Desjardins. Um, purchases who's just recently become divorced purchases a deerskin coat um that he kind of falls very passionately in love with and it starts to become what he obsesses over he spends his whole life trying or he kind of his whole life is devoted to the the coat the, the jacket itself uh to the point where he he's starting to hear the jacket talking to him and telling him to destroy other jackets <laughs> So it's a quite batshit concept. Um, it's great. And directed by Quentin Depu. Yeah. Um, Depu. Uh, sure. And you loved it. You, I know it was one of your favourite films of the year. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really liked it too. Maybe not to necessarily the same level you did. Yeah. Um, Let's go. But I did think it was really good, really enjoyable. I thought that... You know, it was crazy. At some points, I didn't necessarily always follow what was going on. And, you know, sometimes I was a little bit like, hmm, this is a little bit strange. Some of the plot developments were a little bit weird here and there. Um, but ultimately, I thought that it was very, very creative. Um, and I really enjoyed it ultimately. I think the uh, Adele Hanel's character is, is kind of the highlight of it and the kind of the editing thing, you know, the way that they show editing in it and I thought it was very interesting and the, yeah. the way that it kind of goes through a few genres. You know, it's not one of my favourite films and, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't 100% for me, but I thought it was a very entertaining watch. I thought it was very well made and I think that John Didardin puts in a really, really, really good performance. Um, yeah, and definitely a film that will stay with me, you know. I, I think I can say that for nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's the only film I watched this week. Uh, did I watch any TV shows? Well, I watched quite a lot of the TV show Wentworth. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of the program. I'm not aware um, of It is a uh, Australian prison soap opera set in a women's prison. Um, and there's like nine series of it and it's on Amazon Prime. And I've picked it up in the midst of series four and I've watched a decent amount of series four and five um, because my flatmates are obsessed with it. So I have sat through an unhealthy amount of Australian <laughs> soap opera which Sounds is mainly like just worst. lesbian prisoners basically that's basically what it is, is that why it's like that's the only reason you enjoy it yeah sounds like Australian Orange is the New Black yeah exactly it's like that but it's a little bit it's more um, uh, it's, it's a bit darker you know it's more uh, serious than Orange is the New Black I think yeah, um, totally. it's got like a 9.0 rating on IMDb wow um, it's it's okay. It's good for a soap opera. It's very good, I'd say. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. Um, I have not watched much. 
<clears throat> to be honest, apart from the two films that we're doing today, well, three that we're doing three. today, um, I've not watched much, but I have watched a, a couple of things that are, are worth talking about. Well, two things that are worth talking about. I watched Memoria, uh, something that I was very excited for, um, very intrigued by it. I didn't know anything about it going in. I didn't see the trailer. I just heard about it and seen the poster and... Uh, you know, I'd heard this crazy release platform that they were going for in America where it's never getting released on Blu-ray or anything. It's just going to tour the country uh, and play. It's never going to play in more than one cinema in one location at a time. Um, so, which is insane and awful. Uh, thankfully, they're not doing that in the UK. Uh, so I got to see it a few days ago. Well, about a week ago now. Um, and I respect the craft that went into it. The sound design is excellent, the cinematography is good, and Tilda Swinton is absolutely incredible here. However, this is probably the most bored I've ever been in any film I've ever seen. It was awfully boring. Genuinely, I have never left a film, ever. Even films that I know I will not enjoy... I have sat through them. I have sat through boring films before. I have never come closer to walking out of a film than I did with Memoria. Nothing happens. And I like slow films, but literally nothing happens. There are scenes, and when I say nothing happens, a lot of people say, like, oh, once upon a time in Hollywood, nothing happens in it. What well, Nothing happens in Licorice Pizza. When I say nothing happens in Memoria, I mean there are literally scenes that go on for minutes at a time where there is silence. There's no score, there's no uh, music, there's no speaking, there's no dialogue, there is no movement of the camera or of the actors. There's one scene where a man is lay on grass, and he is lay on grass, Tilda Swinton is sat next to him. Silence, and we stay on that shot for a solid two and a half minutes, and then it changes to a close-up of this man's chest, and we stay there for a good 45 seconds, and then we return back to the wide shot of Tilda Swinton and this man on grass for another two minutes. No speech, no movement of the camera or of the actors, you can't even see their faces. It's Nothing happens. It's awful. And there, there are several occasions when that happens. Nothing happens for minutes at a time. It's one of the most bored experiences I've ever had. I went to a showing that had a Q&A afterwards and part of me wanted to stay for the Q&A to find out if they could explain why it was so boring. Um, but <laughs> I just left because I couldn't stand another second of it. It was awful, genuinely awful. It was like a painting in that it was technically very nice. And, you know, that, that shot of a man lay on grass with Tilda Swinton sat next to him, it was beautifully framed, beautifully blocked, beautifully lit beautifully shot and I enjoyed looking at it for about 10 seconds but for four minutes no and then because there are so many shots like this happens all the time it's like looking at a painting I enjoy paintings very much I really appreciate paintings I love paintings I love art but I would not look at the same painting for two and a half hours in a dark room where I'm not allowed to talk to anyone about it in silence mm -hmm. I it's just boring so Memoria 
not for me at all. I'm willing to just chalk this off as this isn't for me. Definitely not for me. A lot of people have enjoyed it. It's very critically acclaimed. It's not for me in the slightest. Uh, The other thing that I want to talk about, and I'll be brief because I spoke about Memorial longer than I expected to, is I got around to seeing Parallel Mothers that you saw, uh, and you thought it was decent, but you didn't love it. Mm. I, I loved it, actually. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Penelope Cruz is magnificent, and I am elated that she got nominated for an Oscar today. Very, very happy. Um, the score was fantastic. I enjoyed the cinematography. Um, Almodovar? Alma, Al, or is it Almodovar Aldemova? It's Almodovar. Um, Almodovar's direction is fantastic. The story is brilliant. I didn't... I don't know if this makes me stupid. I'm... Very often, I'm good at predicting plot twists. I didn't predict either of the plot twists in this film until about 30 seconds before they happened. Um, I did the uh, the first one. I, I didn't until about, like, a minute before it happened. Uh, or, well, as soon as she figured it out or she had suspicions, that's when I was like, oh, that's where we're going with this film. Um, but the other plot twist, didn't expect that until about 30 seconds before it happened. Very well executed. It has two distinct different halves, or two narratives, not necessarily halves, that go alongside one another. And they don't necessarily blend that well together. They feel very disconnected. But I still feel as though they work. Because it's all about, um, you know, it's like the first narrative is about looking into the past and moving on from the past. And the second narrative is about the future and it's about legacy. And it's all about family and motherhood, parallel mothers. And it was fantastic. And um, Penelope Cruz was absolutely brilliant. Uh, And the other actress in it, whose name escapes me right now, um, Milena Smith, she is also fantastic. Um, And it's one of my favourite films that I've seen. It's easily top 10 of 2021 for me. I really, really enjoyed it. uh, And I definitely recommend it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think I enjoyed it a lot more than you. I gave it four and a half stars. Yeah. Okay. That's all that I've seen this week. So I, um, I recommend Parallel bit, Mothers. Um, I don't recommend Memoria. I, I'm a little bit... Um, uh, not gobsmacked, but I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm a little bit taken aback because I just thought to myself, oh, I haven't really thought about the news other than the Oscars. So I went on Empire and I was hit with a brick that I didn't see um, because this happened seven hours ago, but I was completely unaware... I don't know if you know who this is, but six hours ago, um, Douglas Tramble died. Um, I did see that, yeah. Is he the VFX artist? Yes. So, yeah. And he he has well, he worked on quite a lot of uh, very, very good films that have astonishing VFX and... Um, fave. Yeah, and, and, and kind of define uh, early or kind of... Um, I'd say kind of uh, post-war sci-fi, you know, 60s, 70s sci-fi. Uh, he worked on, on 2001. Uh, he worked on uh, Close Encounters, Star Trek. Um, he he worked out, he left... Um, he did Blade Runner, didn't he? I was going to say, he, well, well done for, fin- for ruining oh, my sorry. sentence. Uh, <laughs> as I say, he left uh, cinema to, to work on on, uh, on theme park rides um, and he did uh, Terence Malick's uh, The Tree of Life, um, but most importantly, yeah, he he did Blade Runner, which has some of the most groundbreaking visual effects. Um, I mean, 2001, obviously, more so, but 
you know, for me, you know, he's got yeah. rubbish reservations in what I think is, you know, the best Sorry, made really. film of all time. Um, and yeah, I've, I, 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 I'm quite, um, yeah, I'm a little bit shocked because I, I yeah. watched quite a lot of, uh, stuff about him because, um, of the connection between the two and, uh, and, and he's on my poster in, in my room and, uh, it's just, I don't know. I, um, I, yeah. So, you know, one of the most, uh, influential men, uh, in the world of visual effects uh, and sci-fi, um, and, and he will be missed. So, um, yeah, it's a big one. I think, uh, yeah, he died of a stroke, uh, today at age 79. So God rest your soul. Uh, uh, Douglas Rumble, you, uh, you, you, you mean an awful lot to, uh, to, to cinema and, uh, you know, uh, we will miss you. Seconded. David Lynch is going to uh, star in a film. Do you see yes, this? The Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I David Lynch wait is for going that. to appear in Steven Spielberg's semi-biographical uh, film, The Fablemans. Has joined a cast of Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen, and Paul Dano, amongst others. Um, so it's been a while since we've seen any Lynch. So we're getting him back in, a, in an acting role. Are you excited? I'm very excited. David Lynch and Steven Spielberg sounds like a great combo to me. And uh, I can't wait for it. I'm very excited for Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical film as well. In general, now that David Lynch has been added to the cast, I'm considerably more excited for it. Now, the film already wrapped production, uh, I think, like, like, in early, late last, last, late last year. But he's just been added to the cast. So I don't know if that means he's going to be shooting more footage or it's going to be like voiceover work or something. So I don't know how much he's actually going to have an influence. But even if it's in a very small way, it's always nice to see Lynch on screens or behind the camera either way. But very just to have any influence of Lynch would always be always great. And, you know, of course, Steven Spielberg, it's not exactly like he's uh, working with a particularly uh, amateurish director himself. So, yeah. Uh, Scream. Uh, we reviewed Scream a few weeks ago. Well, I Five reviewed Scream cream. a few weeks ago. Uh, huh? Five Cream. Yeah, Five Cream. We reviewed Five Cream the other week, um, and I reviewed the entire Scream franchise because um, I hadn't watched them before. But now they have just announced a sequel is in the works. So whether this is going to be called Scream, Scream Ends, Scream Kills, um, or it's going to be they're going to act like this is the start of a new franchise called it Scream Two, whether whatever, well, I don't know what the title will be. But uh, I'm sure that Sydney Prescott will not get a day's rest, uh, and I feel sorry for her by this point. But I was a big fan of the last Scream film. I thought it was a great, re- you know, return to form for the franchise, which I thought was kind of, you know, had you know, decreased in quality over time. Uh, and I thought that, yeah, I was a big, big fan. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of Ghostface in our lives. So we're going to be doing the Oscars before we uh, next before week. we start. Can I tell a quick story about Sydney Prescott? Sure. Um, what's the actress called that plays her? Is it Neve Campbell? Yeah, Neve Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she did an interview with I can't remember who it was. I think it was something like Good Morning America. Um, and it was an interview. And they showed her some footage. And it was of the audience reaction to her character showing up in Scream 5. Uh, the bit in the trailer. I don't know if this is actually her first appearance in the film. But in the trailer, it's the bit where she turns around and goes, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. That that line where she's on the phone, she turns around and reveals her face. Yeah. Um, and someone on TikTok had edited the audience reaction from Spider-Man No Way Home when Andrew Garfield shows up over that clip. So it looks like the audience is going crazy over Sidney Prescott showing up. And the people who did the talk show did not research very well and showed it to her 
and thought that it was real. And they had a, a serious conversation about how meaningful the character is to audiences when this is their reaction Ooh. to her showing up. And I felt really sorry Ooh. for Neve Campbell because it's That's fake. Horrible. It's fake. And I she know. didn't know it was fake. She thought it was real. So her reaction was genuine. And the people who did the talk show were like, we've just got a clip, a quick clip here of the audience's reaction to your character showing up. That must be amazing for you to see the love that this character has. And I was like, oh, how do you not do your research? It's fake. Yeah, yeah, that is, oh, that is actually cringeworthy. Yeah. It's an, it's an awful interview to watch. I felt so sorry for her. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is really painful. Oh, poor woman. Okay, um... So we are going to be talking about the Oscars next week because we have just done two hours of podcast that doesn't exist now about the Oscars. I don't feel like either. I feel like we're doing that again. I um, agree. Although I will say Lady Gaga got snubbed. Ha ha. And Chris yes. Stewart made it in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I literally basically want to get that out, out there. Like <laughs> the Oscar nomination came out. Chris Stewart got in there. We're very, very happy. We're very, very annoyed that Spencer didn't get more nominations, but yeah. we'll, we'll take what we get again, essentially. Um, and, and yeah, Lady Gaga, who was the front runner to win the Oscar, Isn't um, minutes before the nominations were announced, ended up not getting nominated at all. So I saw someone tweet, well, um, <laughs> they quote tweeted the, the Academy's announcement with the best actress nominees and said, how does this impact Lady Gaga's front runner status? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's how Lady Gaga can still win. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, but. If you want to know our thoughts on the rest of the Best Actress race, maybe talking a bit about how Drive My Car got into Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and uh, Best International Film, uh, and and more, you'll have to tune in next week for our revised version of our Oscar nominations reactions. So, um, yeah, I I hate to have to say that because, you know, I did just, you know, do it, but, you know, life goes on. Okay, moving on to the first of our three films we're reviewing this week, we are going to be talking about Moonfall. So, Moonfall is, as I said before, the new film from Roland Emmerich, as I already said, you know, the uh, the so-called uh, new master of disaster. And the plot concerns um, an astronaut named Brian Harper, who is played by insidious and the conjuring's patrick wilson uh who works on a satellite um and with along with their her, his her two co-workers uh, one of which is uh two co-astronauts uh one of which is played by halle berry and um whilst they're doing a spacewalk uh a large mysterious black object swarms them kills one of the crewmates and and they're forced uh, to to go back to earth and when they get home no one believes that the swarm Patrick Wilson's career is over and and Halle Berry kind of um puts him in the lurch kind of doesn't back him up because she's unaware of the story and he's he's disgraced but 10 years later uh Casey Houseman played by John Bradley um who's a conspiracy theorist seems to work out that the moon is actually falling towards the earth at a speed that will quickly impact the earth and and kill you know everyone so he enlists the help of 
Patrick Wilson to try and stop the inevitable disaster. It stars a cast of those three that I already mentioned, and also Michael Pena and Charlie Plummer, uh, with a basically cameo performance from Donald Sutherland. So, this um, wasn't really talked about much, and then suddenly came on to the film world with a, a, a quite intriguing trailer a few weeks ago. A lot of people have written it off as dumb, fun, trash before it even come out. But the reception has definitely been mixed. So, what are your thoughts on this new disaster film? On Foon Mall? Um, I had... I, well, I'll be honest, I knew what to expect going into this. I knew that it'd be some kind of stupid, ridiculous uh, disaster film, very much like Roland Emmerich's entire filmography. Um, and that's exactly what I got. And I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I had more fun with this than I did with fucking Memoria. Um, I thought, you know, it was decent. I thought the VFX were very good, actually. There were some awful green screens, but the uh, it is weird how the scenes in space looked better than the scenes on Earth, because the scenes on Earth used terrible, terrible green screens. Uh, but it was quite good. The, the cinematography was alright. Uh, the opening scene gave me very much Gravity vibes. I don't know if you've, if you've seen Gravity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, gave me very, it gave me very much Gravity vibes, but not as good. And that's kind of the whole space disaster part of it. It's like Gravity, but not as good. Um, but yeah, I thought the characters were okay, um, but I didn't really care about the characters because I, I enjoy the fact that Roland Emmerich knows what we want when we go and see films like this. We just want stupid action. Like, you know, you have the opening action scene, you have about 20 minutes of uh, exposition, and then the disaster starts. The moon starts falling, and that's brilliant. You know, there's no point in developing these characters much because the moon is falling and that's all we're interested in every time that there's a scene with characters just talking it's tolerable because the moon is falling and that's crazy and that's fun um and yeah come to think of that roland emmerich would make a great godzilla versus kong film because he would have the action start instantly and not bother with all the characters um so yeah i didn't have high expectations my expectations were met they weren't exceeded. It was exactly what I expected, which wasn't much. Um, but yeah, uh, I liked the story. It kind of goes completely off the rails in the second, like in the third act. It's a, it's a, it's a bit crazy uh, where it goes. It's definitely not where I expected it to go. Uh, I didn't watch any of the trailers, so I don't know if the trailers gave anything of that away. But I was no, completely really. like sideswiped by the last act. It was slightly crazy. And I also love how simple it was at the end. Well, well, that's the end, so I won't say that. Um, but yeah, overall, I had low expectations and my expectations were met. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time. It was a blast. It was a very flawed blast, but it was a blast nonetheless. And uh, and it was great. This, although I will say it does have an awful screenplay. The, the, the screenplay is up there with old in terms of how bad it was for me that one of the lines is just things that humans wouldn't say like when the guy mm -hmm. sees his cat he calls his his cat's called fuzz aldrin which is a funny pun um but he said it in such an inorganic way he was like oh fuzz aldrin and i'm like you wouldn't say that if your cat <laughs> pissed on the floor you just say oh fuzz which is what he calls it later on and the only reason he calls it fuzz aldrin in that moment 
is because yeah, so the crowd, so the crowd would go, ah, ha, that's funny. Whereas, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. And there are a lot of instances like that. Um, and there is also one scene where a NASA scientist uses the term light year as a measurement of time and not a unit of distance. Uh, and that kind of shows you the effort that went into this screenplay, which is not much. But overall, I, I enjoyed it. And I'm going to see it again tomorrow. That's how much I enjoyed it. The sound design was very good as well. I thought the sound design was excellent. Okay. What did you think of Foonball? Yes. Okay. Moonfall, 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 Moonfall. Okay. I saw Moonfall at 40x yesterday. So if <laughs> anyone's unaware. For Moonfall. <laughs> I paid 14 pounds for Moonfall. Um, I would pay 14 pounds for it. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't pay 50 quid for it. <laughs> if anyone's unaware of what 4DX is, um, I have talked about it before, but it's where your your chair moves up, round, up, down, left, right, um, BA start. And it goes, there's rains on you, they, pay, they spray air in the back of your head, they play smells, they put wind. And I've got to say, the 4DX was very fun. And the wind that they do is very, very convincing. So fair play to the 4DX. The film, on the other hand, not so much. Okay, you just hate. Uh, I really, I I really, I hate hyperbole, you know. But I use it so often. But I genuinely do not believe that I could have seen ten worse films in my life. Wow! I was wow absolutely hated Moonfall. And the thing is, is that I wanted dumb fun, right? I quite like Godzilla vs Kong. I thought that there was there was well, I I left it to Godzilla vs Kong going. There was too much dialogue. It was too much about people. I wish it was more fighting. Then I watched Monster Hunter and went, oh yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should have some talking because then if you just fight for two hours, it's shit. So I came to thinking the same thing I came in with, with Jungle Cruise, which yeah, I didn't love Jungle Cruise, right? But I thought it would be the same kind of Jungle Cruise. I come out there thinking, okay, so okay, it's a five out of 10. It'll be fun. Or, or Godzilla as a Kong, right? It's stupid, but it's fun. What I was actually met with was something that was so boring. I mean... There are, it starts off with an event, an interesting event, and it ends with 30, 30 minutes of, of batshit craziness. The period of an hour and 40 minutes that, or hour and 30 minutes between those is some of the most boring, dull, slow moving action. Like, I don't believe you can make a disaster movie that is so slow. Like, the, the, the genre implies speed. The genre implies, action it was like uh, the vfx were cool right i'll admit the vfx were great but even when the world was collapsing around them there was never an urgency about it it never felt like the characters were truly in danger and it was like but just because the world was blowing up didn't make it feel actiony because it was just happening around them like it it was so i think that the film is so annoyingly plot based it, it seems to be constantly fixing itself fixating itself on like fake science mumbo jumbo instead of getting to what we need like the ha- last half an hour is stupid and awful and and i wouldn't but it is stupid and awful in a way that is a little bit enjoyable and if the whole film was a little bit more like the last half an hour i probably would have had more less of a problem with it um the last half an hour is so bad because not only is it stupid, but it's badly paced. You know, if the whole film was out, I might accept it a bit more. But it, it just, it didn't ever, like, it was just kind of, I was, I didn't say, I didn't care for the characters, but they were spending so much time with them. 
I, like I, I knew that the world was blowing up, but I never really felt it. And the subplot of the family is so poorly done. I mean, this some of the worst scenes in cinema this year for sure will be all the stuff with that involves Sonny. <laughs> uh, the the performance of of, of Sonny, his the son of of um, of the main character played by Charlie Plummer, he's only worsened by the performance of Sonny, which when the younger Sonny, the child actor, plays him, he's probably I know the kid's five. But there must be better five-year-olds because oh my, that was hard to watch. Um, but yeah, the the the, the Charlie Plummer who plays the, the son was was poor, very poor. Maybe I'm being harsh because maybe he wasn't as poor as John Bradley, who plays Casey Houseman, the the conspiracy theorist. Probably, I don't think we should allow him back into the UK. I, I don't think that 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 he should be allowed to come back because. He has disgraced us on a on a global scale, on almost on a well more than global scale at this point. It's his performance. He's I mean I don't think he was helped by a screenplay that that didn't know if he was a genius or an idiot. Uh, but his performance was was laughable, and it, it felt like someone he was reading a teleprompter. It was just awful. I feel so bad for Halle Berry because she puts in a performance that is. I would say fine. She's fine. She's working with Patrick Wilson, who's not really in. You know, he's he's not at his best. He's working and he's working with a bunch. And then the, well, Patrick Wilson's not trying. And she's also got to work to the bunk of a, a bunch of amateurs. And and Don Sutherland, who shows up for about thirty seconds. It's stupid. It's I mean, like if if you talk about I talked about uh, Drive My Car last episode as being the best paced three hour film ever. This might be the worst paced two hour film. Like you have. An hour and a half of it, which feels like it's five hours, and then it's finished off with a half an hour section that is so quick that it feels like it's three seconds, and it it's just like I came out of the cinema feeling like I was a, a new older man. I felt like I, between the point of me entering and leaving the cinema, I could have had three children and a divorce. It was <laughs> so long. I, I I don't know how he manages to do it. This film had no right to be boring. This film had a right to be stupid. This film had a right to, to have awful screenplay, as you said, and the awful acting. I'm ready for it, but I just can't believe it was so boring. Um, yeah, the the two plots don't don't work together well. The acting's awful. The pacing's awful. The screenplay, as you say, is probably some of the worst you've ever seen. Some of the dialogue is so so over theatrical, cinematic, talking to the camera, saying cool cheesy lines. It was just unbearable, uh, and I, I was sat there in 4DX, being thrown around. I was with a group of friends; they were all kind of smiling, loving the now with the 4DX. I was just standing there, kind of my head down on the 4DX, just like being thrown about, miserable, like you know, like kind of like somebody telling you that your your nan's dead when you're on a roller coaster. Like I was just like I was being thrown about and thinking that you, a million miles an hour and rain on my face with a complete frown on me it was uh i i absolutely hated for him for what an awful experience <laughs> well the strange thing is i apart from one thing i completely agree with everything that you said uh but i also agree with everything i said uh i don't think the pacing was that bad um apart oh my from God, it's, i honestly think it's the worst pacing i've seen really i don't think it was that bad because time. there was always the threat of the moon is falling like I agree that his but kid. His, there the, was no threat to it. I'd never felt any worry that the moon was about to fall. Well, no. But the, this the is thing, the thing that I thought. I don't know why I thought this, but I heard the concept of moonfall, 
And for some reason, I thought that it would just be the moon falls and crashes into Earth. I didn't think that as it got closer, the gravity from Earth would pull parts of the moon into Earth. Um, so I feel like that was a nice slow way of doing it, um, rather than just dumpf, the moon falls like a bowling ball. Um, but yeah, I thought that, that it was okay. I agree the plotline with the sun did not work very well. But again, I wasn't that bothered because it was, you know, I didn't care about the sun, but he was running away from a car while the moon was falling. And that's cool. And I enjoyed it. I enjoy, although I will say it, it, there was a lot of disaster in this. And I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say. But there was a lot of disaster and a lot of destruction. Like, the Chrysler building from New York ends up in the North Pole. There's that level of <laughs> destruction. Um, and I was I remember thinking when I was watching it, like, it gets to a certain point where you just think, what's the point? Like, this is too far. We've It's already, like, the, the Earth is already <laughs> fucked up beyond repair. What's the point? You know? The stuff, cities oh, have been just... ripped up. Literally ripped because the tectonic plates have torn apart. You know, buildings are, being, are flying through the air because of, you know, gravity and gravity waves. And I just think, if I'm ever on Earth and that's happening, I just think, what what's the point? Because the moon, when, once they finish and the moon's saved, like, it's, got, it's too far gone. But you can't repair that. So just, what's the point? Just kill everyone. You know, I just didn't get the point. And that's another thing I had. At the end, when they saved the moon, spoiler, they, they don't die. Um, they save, well, people die, but the moon doesn't fall. It should be called moon falling rather than moon fall, because it just stops falling. But they save it, and then it just kind of immediately goes back up. <laughs> yeah. It's like it spent days, weeks falling slowly. And then they save the day, and the moon just kind of goes, okay, I'm back now, I'm back into my normal orbit. Bye. Instantly. And I'm like, what the fuck? The moon just stopped falling and went back up to where it was. And the thing it was is, like, crazy. there are things I, I would just let off. You know, stuff like that. Some things like that I just let off, because like that's what I walked into the cinema expecting. To yeah, that's off. what I mean, yeah. I, I don't the, care the, about any of the, the issues that... I have. But the thing is, is that issues, I don't I have the positives. There are no positives, I felt. Except yeah. for the VFX being good. Like, I just didn't think the action was entertaining. I just, I don't, I didn't get enough of the good trash to justify, uh, to justify the bad trash. I, it was I just thought it was miserable. pretty great, to be honest. I had a lot. I completely I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, the only difference is that I enjoyed the shit. You didn't enjoy the shit. But I just, I wanted to. I, I, I came into the cinema just begging for just in just enjoyable trashy cinema but what yeah. i got was so boring and and that's the thing as well i i just think that you say that they oh i didn't really care about the characters but they really do try and make you care it's like these characters are all so like it's all this is all a basically a character study whilst the moon is exploding it's until the last 30 minutes where they decide <laughs> oh yeah let's, let's get let's get around to sorting this moon thing out um <laughs> until then I do not think I will ever find a more hateable character than than John Bradley's Casey Houseman. I, agree. I just the film definitely doesn't know how to treat him. him. Like, is he like you say? Is he smart or is he stupid? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. And and if people don't know who, that, who John Bradley is, he plays Samwell in um in, in Game of Thrones, and you know, he's good as that. You know, I've got yeah. a problem with him there. He, he went to the same as me. Did he? Yeah. Glass him for me. Really. 
don't know. Mate. That's, that's a crime, I think. He, he went. Um, he went far before I did because he's like thirty right. something. All right. Okay. But he went. Yeah. There. Really yeah. interesting. Um, he also wanks off Elon Musk twice. That's another thing well. that I meant to say. This film is sponsored by SpaceX. He yeah. says, like, what would Elon do? I love you, Elon. <laughs> he said, he actually says at one point, what would Elon do? And I was like, yeah, oh my he, God, he what the fuck? Um, yeah, and then they yeah, say, goes, starts off early the NASA on, scientists goes, are like, um, well, thankfully we've got SpaceX to help us out. And then it cuts to him and he goes, I love Elon. And I was like, yeah, oh my I, God. I love Elon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would Elon do? What would Elon yeah, do? Uh, One of the best lines of 2022. Mm-hmm. The stuff with, with his character's mum as well. It's just oh, oh, yeah. man, it's unbearable. Um, I want to see uh, Roland Emmerich's The Father. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just... Uh, this was a cross mate. between Gravity and The Father, two Oscar winners. Yeah. Oh, but honestly, man, let Roland Emmerich keep making these awful disaster movies, and I will keep going. But to I, see I them, like twenty twelve. We'll have fun. But I, I expected to have dumb fun because I liked twenty twelve a lot. Yeah, right. And even though <clears throat> his Godzilla's not great, but I still like Godzilla films in general. And Independence Day is great. You know all yeah. that stuff. I forgot he did Godzilla. Yeah, where he did the, the really shit Godzilla in the nineties. Yeah. But if it, the when I said um, earlier, if he did like a Godzilla versus Kong, I meant like a new one. Like with modern VFX. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Did you know this is the most um, expensive uh, independent film of all time? No. Yeah, it's one hundred forty million. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good for Moonfall. Um, no, bad on Moonfall. Good for Moonfall. Good <laughs> fucking Moonfall. bad on Moonfall. Go for Moonfall. Uh. I think um, they're going to make sequels, uh, assuming this does okay at the box office. And it's I not an really okay hope... box office. Is it not? Not at all. It's made like 10 million. Well, it's early days. Well, if it does, <laughs> I hope the podcast is over by then, because I don't want to ever talk about these films I again. I hope we get a sequel, because I want to know what happened at the end. Like The end was so confusing oh, and weird. Up. I want to know what happened. I'd watch yeah, a sequel, no, definitely. I guess I probably would. Um but yeah, I mean, some of the we can't say you know we don't tell you the the, the plot twists. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that the the sense of impending doom and the reaction to it is done so much better in Don't Look Up, which obviously with this film is going to get reaction com- like compared to because you know they're both films about a, a, an impending uh, you know global threat. But the the comedy that they both try and do, and they say the fear and the, and the disaster factor and all that is done so much better in, in Don't Look Up than this, and and that's obviously trying to it has another motive, you know, it's trying to be a satire and and a joke about climate change, and then it also manages to to get the disaster stuff so much better. This film has no attempt to have this film lacks nuance even more so than than Don't Look Up it has no ulterior motive and is just focusing on making it good. And, and funny and you know having that fear and it somehow manages to do it so much worse so um shame on you emmerich shame on you i enjoyed it roland keep making it keep it up i keep agree with everything you said old as shit. Films, this is but... a very bad film but i liked it 
I just I hated it. Honestly, it's, it's the the worst film I saw. The last film I saw in, in 4DX before this was Monster Hunter, which was the worst film of 2021. Wow. This might end up being the worst film of 2022. Ooh. So I guess the answer is stop going to 4DX. <laughs> um. So what are you deciding to rate this out of 10? I'm going to give this a solid 6 out of 10. That's laughable, mate. <laughs> I'm going to give this a 1.5. Wow. The, the, I would give it lower, but the half star is for the VFX. Wow. That's harsh. That harsh. A half star for the VFX and maybe slightly Halle Berry. Halle Berry was good. Yeah, Halle Berry was fine. She was fine. She wasn't even that good. She was fine. It's just that she stood out. <laughs> mate, at the end of the day, in the... It was they say in the in the in the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. That's true. In the world of the amateur actors, the in the world of Moonfall, an average. In the world of Moonfall, Halle Berry trying twelve percent is king. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's never. T- oh yeah, man of the match. Oh fuck. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. I thought we're both going to give yeah, it to the okay. VFX artists. I'm going to give it to the VFX artists. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Peter G. Travers, Zachary Mallet, John Lindstein, Cody Stoof, Trisha Mulgrew, Omid Arjang, Andrew Winters, Mohan Ponraj, Frederick Gorlin, Robert Winter, and Satyo, Satoshi uh, Takazawa. You are all our man of the matches. Congratulations, working on Moonfall. Great work. I hope you get nominated Sorry, for an who, Oscar who, next year. Who did I just say? The VFX artist for Moonfall. Yeah, li- list them. They're the, they're, they're the VFX artists for Moonfall. That sums them yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. That sums them up. Okay. Let's move on to Jackass Forever. Now, Let's. two very different films that I essentially, I, I think we're attempting for the same audience. Yeah. I uh, went to see both of these films wanting and expecting stupid, ridiculous fun. And the question is, did we get it? Or did you find yourself more grossed? Than engrossed. Oh my oh, god, that's that was a good sick. one. That's that good was line. well good. <laughs> that is a good line. That's going in the tweet. That's I'm, going in the I'm tweet. Getting ta- I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting the tattoo of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jackass Forever, baby. Ten years after the release of Jackass 3D, uh, the the gang of, of Johnny Knoxville, Steve O, Chris Pontius, Dave England, uh, Wee Man, and and more. Uh, are now joined by a few new uh, uh, members of the Jackass team, including Poopies, Jasper Dolphin, and Rachel Wolfson. Uh, and they are back to uh, do some more stunts, some more comedy, and and try and terrify uh, Grossow and and uh, and make the audience piss themselves. Um, so. I don't know what your experience is with Jackass. I don't know what your knowledge is of the franchise. Uh, I don't know what you think of them in general, the show and stuff. So I guess I'll ask you that before we ask the reaction review. So what, what is your experience with Jackass? Um, I've seen them all. I saw them all when I was much younger, um, as a child even, which is probably not very good, but I did. Um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a child. It is kind of okay. that mindless, stupid fun. And, I, you know, when I was a kid, watching people hurt themselves was funny. I've never seen the Jackass films. I've never seen a single one of the Jackass films. Have you? Um, before this, no. I've seen. Did you? A did you watch the TV them show? Watching this, or have you still not seen them? No, I've still not seen them. Oh wow! 
Um, I've seen a decent amount of the TV show when I was young, uh, and I've watched enough clips from the films, like around friends' houses, yeah. <laughs> over the last twenty years. <laughs> um, I've never sat through a full one. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm always a fan of, of, of especially not particularly the gross out stuff, but the the in person. There's not much of that in this. Uh, the kind of like uh, with real person comedy that, that they kind of they, they did a lot more when they started off. Um, but I was, I'm, I'm a big fan of that in general. Like, okay. um, you know, obviously. Like the the comedy when they people are playing characters with real people. Oh, like I see. Yeah, yeah. Interacting with the public. I see what you mean. Yeah. So I was a big fan with of of, of, of Borat, obviously, uh, but also uh, Trigger Happy TV and stuff like that in the UK. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously Jackass were kind of pioneers in that genre as well. So, um, so yeah, I come into this. I still haven't seen watched the Jackass films, uh, and I'll tell you based on whether I like this film or not, whether I actually want to go back and watch them. But um, I guess we'll start off with you again. Um, start off with me again. What did you? Okay. We'll start off with you again. What did you think of Jackass Forever? Um, Jackass Forever. This may sound like a strange thing to say. Was one of the best experiences in a cinema I've ever had. It was. It was fantastic. You know, it was a relatively very busy screen. Well, it wasn't relatively very busy. It was very busy. Um, and everyone was laughing and kind of being engrossed and grossed at, uh, at the things that they were seeing. And it was a very shared experience. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I said a few minutes ago, when I was a kid, watching people hurt themselves was funny. It still is. Watching people hurt themselves will always be funny. It's one of the simple things in life. If you're one of the types of people that watches someone fall over and doesn't laugh, then you're you're boring. You know, watching someone fall over is funny. Watching someone do it on purpose is even funnier because it's just stupid. You know, what the, I I love the, you know, the big stunts that they do are funny and great to watch. But my favourite ones are the tiny little stupid things. Like one of my favourite things about Jackass Forever was a clip from the credits. It wasn't even in the main film. It was the credits where they get what someone walking out of a trailer and they've replaced the staircase with a cardboard box and they step on the staircase and it's a cardboard box and they just fall over. And that's hilarious. (laughs) That is so funny. It's the simple things like that that make me laugh. The big stunts that they do uh, that we might talk about when we open this up once we've both kind of given our overall thoughts, those are great as well. Um, But I love the little things that happen in between that only get like 20 seconds on screen. Like when Steve-O walks out of a bathroom and gets hit in the face with a ball. That's hilarious. Um, But yeah, I just enjoyed it. It was stupid and it was funny. Watching people get hit in the balls is funny. And there's a lot of being hit in the balls. There's a lot of mistreatment of male genitalia in this film. And it was painful to mm. watch at times, especially when they flattened their penises. That was, ugh, bad. Mm. And one of them, was it Dave England who did it as well? He flattened his penis and got relegated to the credits. Can you imagine flattening your penis and only making it into the credits? <laughs> I'd be, I'd be outraged. I'd be outraged. Chris Ponty has got a whole section where he flattened his penis. Dave England does it. He only gets in the credits. I'd be outraged. Okay. Um, and I re- also, I definitely recommend that... You, well, I hope you enjoyed it, but I definitely recommend watching the older ones because the older ones are kind of... Because um, they weren't as famous. 
they didn't have as much money, especially with the first one. They kind of had to do a lot more, uh, what's it called? They didn't have as much resources, so they had to kind of improvise. And it's a lot more brutal in a way, the first one. And then say, yeah. second one is probably the best one. But I loved the fourth one as well. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Jackass, Jackass, Jackass. I found Jackass Forever to be unfunny, disgusting, and dare I say, I just don't understand how someone can get enjoyment out of this. Surely you don't. Surely you're not being serious. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely loved Jackass Forever. And when you say... um, that that you didn't have you haven't had many better experiences in cinema. I absolutely agree with you. I went to cinema with four friends, so there's five of us. And everyone was just pissing themselves. Um well some one person a bit more miserable than us, I'm not naming any names, but um and absolutely just pissing ourselves and just feeling the pain and some of the stunts here are just ridiculous i mean some of it is is mad uh yeah the amount of <laughs> no one's prepared for the amount of full frontal male nudity uh that it has um yeah it was absolutely batshit and i definitely do want to get around to watching the rest of them because i was just enthralled by i i it's so i'll tell you for something that that doesn't get enough credit these films are excellently well edited and directed like the the pacing and the and the the way that they cut together it's like it's I never want it to end. It feels so quick, right? It's like an hour and a half, but it feels like it was like 10 minutes. It was, it's just, oh, it's just wonderfully made. Like, I don't think the craft of it goes and gets enough credit, but it's, yeah, constantly exciting. So funny. Uh, and yeah, I, I absolutely adored it. I mean, it's hard to talk about it, really. It's a strange sound to try and review, really, but I think, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that, what, what is essentially, Jackass Forever is like the tragedy of Macbeth. Do you know what I'm going to... Has anyone ever said that before? (laughs) Can you guess what this possible link could be? Jackass is like Shakespeare. (laughs) Can you see... Do you know what I'm going to say next? No, I have no idea. When I think of Jackass Forever, I think first of (laughs) Joel Cohen's adaptation of of (laughs) Macbeth. Because... You know what you're gonna. You know what you're gonna come out of this thinking before you start it, right? There is no if you're if you don't like this kind of thing, don't bother watching it. You're not yeah. gonna get. You're not gonna converted, right? If you don't want to see violence and you don't want to see some cocks and you don't want to see ridiculous humor and you don't want to see a bunch of mates just hanging out with a video camera that you know happens to also kind of be millionaires now, then you're not. You don't. If you don't want to watch that, you don't want to watch that. You know, it's it, it, you don't. It's not gonna. This doesn't bring anything particularly surprising or new, but for people that are that enjoy that, and because honestly, I hope that everyone does, you know, um, it it does that to such a, a high production value, high quality. They are <clears throat> absolute kings at doing this type of humour and this kind of violence and everything. And mate, I said I watched this with five mates. I was the only one. I was the only bloke. So. I feel like there's a lot of scenes here that I felt a lot more pain than anyone else. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of it. You know, you, you'll be crossing your legs. It, it's, it, it's impressive. And some of it, 
you know, I think uh, I believe Joe Knoxville got brain damage doing one of these stunts. And you can tell which one when you watch it. You know, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything. You know, <laughs> but you know, you can tell which one it is. But you're surprised it hasn't happened more. I'm surprised that one of these hasn't died doing this jackass because some of the stuff that happens here is just insane. Um, there's one. Um, I'm not going to say what uh, exactly what happens, but the the stunt that um, starts off with the um, lie detector test oh, and yes. ends up with animals involved <laughs> was some of the most batshit film I've yeah. seen. I was like. What is going on? I could not yeah. believe what I was watching in the cinema. <laughs> um, and, and one of the early ones, uh, the, um, where well, the, the lights go off, you know, the, oh, that the was so funny. Good. That was that so is funny. The, the peak of the film. That is hilarious. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, there's kind of two yeah. halves to Jackass. There's the hilarious bit, like the, uh, scene where the lights go out. And then there's the kind of, you don't want to watch because you're, kind of terrified bit like the bit with the lie detector and the animals and mm. they're both brilliant uh, yeah yeah definitely i um i went to central london that day and outside um outside the leicester square cine world out the front of, in, in, the, in the middle of Leicester square there was a massive inflatable dinosaur penis um and I was walked up to there and we were like, what is that? And I was like, that looks like a cock. <laughs> you know, we walked up to it and we saw it. It said jackass forever. I was like, oh, right. And I was like, I wonder what that is. And then you very, very quickly find out what that is when you, when you start yeah. watching it. I saw something similar. I saw that they were sending out uh, little uh, toys of this penis dinosaur. Um, and when I first saw it, I thought that it, they were just sending people dildos. Like, because that seems right. like something that jackass would do. Like, they're just sending people yeah, yeah, dildos. Sure. Um, to promote the film um, and then the film started and I was like oh that's what it is and it clicked mm -hmm. and there's also it's definitely a got a lot of sorry you go first well I was going to say I feel that this um, it, it definitely feels like it has a lot of heart I don't know if this is the last one they're going to yeah. do um, but it, it it definitely has the vibe of the last hurrah and, yeah. and there's definitely it has um, a reference to, to Ryan Dunn who, who sadly passed uh, before this film came out at the end of it but the, the 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 it definitely feels like you know this isn't like even though it is shocking they're almost not going out there, it doesn't feel like they're going out to the, there to impress in the way that I felt they were in in the, when I watched the original show it feels like this is a bunch of mates just having a laugh together you know they've got back together old friends that have got back together yeah. and uh, I think that's wonderful the camaraderie of it comes through so so much uh, I have got a, a longer thought to, to end off with if, if you want to go next. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I agree with what you said. This It feels like the end of the era of, you know, Johnny Knoxville and, and Steve-O and Dave England and Chris Pontius and all the original. But it also felt very much like a passing of the torch to the new mm. generation. Like, I know Johnny mm. Knoxville said he's done with the Jackass franchise. Um, what did he? Yeah. But I feel like he could come back as a producer and make Jackass 5 with the new set of people that they introduced in this film. Because um, this definitely feels like a last hurrah, like you say, but it also felt like a passing of the torch to me. Yeah, no, no, I definitely feel that, yeah. With, uh, there's a few few of the new guys, especially Poopies, you know, he's yeah. uh, one of the kind of main guys that he, had in, you know, he stands out. Yeah, and um, one, of the, one of the funniest moments in this as well is, um, this is, well, it's, it's not, nothing's really a spoiler because it's Jackass, but this is, you know, it's a particular spoiler, is, uh, I can't remember her name, but the woman who's the new member. Rachel Wolfson. Rachel Wolfson, yeah. 
oh, excuse me, she's getting stung by a scorpion and the scorpion lands on her boob and she starts like saying like, oh, get it off me. I'm and she's like, she's okay with it on her face, but she's not okay with it on her boob. And then uh, yeah. she's screaming like, get it off me. And then Chris Pontius is like, I can't get it off your boob unless you give me permission. I legally mm. can't touch your boob. And I was like, that was, that was quick comedy. And that's funny. That was funny. I mean, it might be legally true to be fair. Yeah, I am. Um, Although I feel like, yeah, actually, I was going to, I was going to to talk about that that section actually, because and like it's essentially plagiarism because I'm stealing something from someone else that does the same thing we do, obviously to a far far higher degree and with a lot more listeners, but I, I just wanted to to, to talk about um, Mark Kermode, um, who who I'm a big fan of, of course I mentioned it a few times. Yeah, you know, kind of as a critic, you know, you had you know, one of the people that you kind of look up to. He had a really interesting take on Jackass Forever. Did he? Um, I don't know if you. I don't know if you heard. I'm not aware of this. But he he hated the Jackass films before, but he actually had a lot of fondness for this one. It was his. He said he actually kind of liked it, and he liked the camaraderie and all that stuff. He thought that you know it was it was, had a lot of heart, all that stuff. The things we've said already. And he liked it more, and he said a really interesting thing, which I actually felt myself during the film but when he said it i was like i felt very certain of it which is he said he kind of talked about the kind of you know the the world of of the sexuality of it in the way that it's a nice break from a world where kind of obviously i'm greatly paraphrasing but in a world where women's sexuality is so over the top and so um kind of abused and used and and sold it's quite nice to see a film where it's men's bodies that are being having the piss taken out of them and shown, displayed, and sold for the entire time. And in you know the world of of Jackass is a world of of equality. You know, even though they're taking the piss and they're they're throwing things at each other, they're all mates. Even though one of them, obviously, Wee Man's you know is a dwarf. Someone, uh, one of them is you know uh, got great. Someone is one of them's greatly obese. You know, one of them. They're all different rate that within, especially with the new group. You've got all different groups of characters, age groups, race groups, everything. Everyone's thing, but everybody's still mates. They're still you. You know, in the stunts, they're all treated equal. When the world of Jackass is a kind of perfect world, you know. And the only kind of thing that when it comes up about women's sexuality or anything is a critique of the way that women's are, are kind of in, you know forced into the ridiculous world of Botox. When they do the Scorpion Botox thing, it kind of shows yeah. the stupidness of it. Like they're kind of parodying Botox by having her bit by Scorpion to show that the existence of it. So I thought it's quite an interesting take on it that you know that that even though you'd initially think of Jackass as kind of boisey and 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 stupid and um, kind of what's the word like like frat boyish. Yeah, and in reality, it's almost kind of woke, you know. Yeah, it is. I know what you mean. It is. Yeah, it's very uh, uh, progressive in that sense that they're not. Yeah, you know, and you wouldn't think it in a million yeah. years. Like Particularly that, this new one. The old one's less so, but the yeah. new one definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking about yeah, specifically this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was cool to see um, Francis Ngannou, who's one of my favorite. Um, MMA fighters um, featured here, and it was also nice to see Jalen Ramsey, who's uh, calling back for the Rams um, here. Hashtag Gary Rams. Hashtag Super Bowls Arts, baby. All of that went over my head. 
Yeah, he was the American <laughs> footballer in the uh, initial section at the beginning when he had like he chucked someone like during the dinosaur section as an American footballer and oh, he okay. plays for my team. And Machine Gun Kelly was here and he didn't show that he was a weirdo, which is quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, he seemed relatively normal. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to rate Jackass Forever, of course, because it's a strange kind of thing. Yeah. It's a bit outside the world of. It's almost not a film in a way. You yeah, know? it's not. Not in like a. In, not in a bourgeois sense, yeah. but it, it's it's kind of a documentary, it's kind of a comedy, it's kind of just like someone's... It's, it's almost like um, the kind of, um, kind of uh, sandbox of what, your, what the world would be like if you got everything you wanted when you were 14 with a group of friends and you were high, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to describe what, exactly what this is, but I'm going to rate it anyway, and I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Wow, I am going to join you, and I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 as well. Because it couldn't be better, really, could it? It, it was just an absolute laugh. It's exactly it what I wanted. Yeah, completely. I loved every second of it. Me too. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. And I don't I want to give Man you the enough match. to watch the originals. Yeah, I do need to. Man of the Match, what can you, what can you do at Man of the Match? I don't know what I, you can do here. I, I know who I'm going to give Man of the Match to, and... As, I'm kind of cheating with this, but as you say, Jackass Forever is very much a send-off for the whole Jackass crew, like everyone who did involved with the original Jackass. Um, and I am going to give my man of the match to Johnny Knoxville. Um, I think Johnny Knoxville is the most stupid, but also the bravest uh, man on the planet. And he's also absolutely hilarious. Like... Um, the fun, one of the funniest lines in any film I've ever seen, and you, you know, I know you've not seen the films, but you say you've seen a lot of clips, so maybe you've seen the clip, is when Johnny Knoxville gets in a fight, a boxing match with Butterbean, this huge American boxer, yeah, yeah, and they have yeah, a fight, yeah. and Johnny Knoxville gets knocked out unconscious, completely knocked out in about 20 seconds. And the first thing he says when he comes back to consciousness is, is Butterbean okay? And that is absolute genius it is absolute <laughs> comedy gold it's fucking insane and in this film he broke his wrist broke about five ribs got brain damage uh in a bull yeah. ring and when he came to consciousness he was more worried about the fact that he dropped milk from his hat because he was doing a magic trick and the milk came out of the hat and i just think that is hilarious and he's one of the ogs and i i, I just feel it's right to give it to him Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna give it I, I, on that point. I'm gonna give it to. I think the funniest man there. I mean, Johnny Knoxville is the brains, right? Yeah, Obviously, definitely. Um, but I think the the person that I think he has less screen time here than he usually does, and obviously he's had a you know troubled last ten years. But I'm I'm a big fan of him. I, I keep up with a lot of his, the stuff he does as well. But one and and obviously I'm gonna get to who I'm talking about, but. I just think that everything that comes out of Steve-O's mouth is hilarious. I think he's <laughs> yeah. just so, just, oh, he's just, mate, he's so funny. Uh, I, uh, it's, yeah, I'm not very professional <laughs> in my description, but he's just a very, very funny individual. So yeah. I'm going to give my match to Steve-O. So I think, be, I think it's nice that one of us is given to each one of them. Yeah, I agree. The main two. I agree. I, see, I feel like Chris Pontius deserves a mention as well, because he, he put himself through it in this physically yeah i mean yeah 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 i mean i know we're, we're not getting into spoilers but not i mean jackass isn't something to spoil you have to see it even if you hear about it you have to see it um 
he flattens his penis and one of the worst things I've ever seen he gets his penis bitten by a snapping turtle Ooh, that was yeah, somebody, and that happens in the first two seconds really and rough. that's that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on Jackass is a man yeah, getting bitten on the rough. penis by a snapping turtle <sighs> it hurt boy, watching oh a lot of the scenes in this oh fucking tell me about it mate oh my word I wish I hadn't done it whilst I was also getting my penis bit by a snapping turtle. <laughs> Although, having said it, that, Dave England did rupture his testicle because he got his testicles bounced on by a pogo stick. Oh, that was the hardest thing to watch. That was. Oh. That was awful, the pogo stick. Oh, the pogo stick. Oh, man alive. Yeah, very, very, very funny. Very, very funny. Okay. Um, moving on to... We're talking about three very different films. Today. <laughs> very much are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going from, Let's uh, move from... from Jackass, a man getting his testicles ruptured and bitten on the penis by a snapping turtle. Let's talk about televangelism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I feel like, you know, like a lot of people are hor- hor- do horror podcasts. You know, or work for <laughs> yeah. horror websites, do horror new like thing. You know, or or you know, for example, you know, I read NME. Like it's sometimes when I can be asked on the internet. Sometimes I used to read NME, <laughs> but is. when I read NME, it's a specific. You know, it's 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 not only it's it's not only one genre, but it's a, it's a kind of corn. It's a music paper. Oh right. But it's a corner. It's a specific. It's the more alternative corner. Yeah. It's not about the whole music. And and then you get rock papers. But the way that our podcast works, there's no genre limit, yeah. right? Like we've got our fingers. We have guys. We we are we yeah. And you know, obviously that's why everyone. I mean, it's like proper film people have to do, I guess. But like the fact that we have to review, we have to have the vocabulary and context <laughs> to talk about Moonfall, which is a film. <laughs> That was just two hours of just action nonsense to then uh, like a comedy documentary about like people hurting themselves in funny ways to like <laughs> now like a semi Oscar bait <laughs> biopic about a televangelist. That is, this may be our most diverse episode in that regard. I'm <clears> sure, <throat> I'm sure you can find funny examples. I think we did Sound of Metal and Thunder Force together. That's a good That's one. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, this is, uh, but yeah, this is this is different. So, the eyes of Tammy Faye. The eyes of Tammy Faye. Johnny Knoxville and the gang get together for one last hurrah. <laughs> have you seen? Before we move on to the eyes of Tammy Faye, actually, have you seen the I tweet seen the that went semi-viral, um, saying Johnny essentially saying Johnny Knoxville should host the Oscars? It said, "Hi, I'm Johnny yeah. Knoxville, and welcome to the Oscars." Um, oh, yeah, and yeah. all of the scenarios that people were making up, if that actually happened. That if if the Jackass people hosted the Oscars, that would be brilliant. Doing stunts yeah. live on stage, that would be fantastic. <laughs> That's very risky. Yeah, when someone um, wins, they get hit by a massive hand. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Close finally wins. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Close, the culmination of her entire career. She, she walks Judy up to the Dench. stage and just gets hit in the face by a pie. <laughs> Judy Dench. <laughs> Fuck. Judy Dench gets up accepting her Oscar everyone's on their feet and then she just gets rugby tackled by an American footballer <laughs> <laughs> or then they just they, halfway through the ceremony they just turn around and say 
there's a snapping turtle in the audience somewhere. One of you is going to be bitten on the penis. <laughs> Have fun. It's as well go. <laughs> yes. So, um, moving on, of course, <laughs> to the eyes of Tammy Faye. Well, these all have a vague comedy theme, of course, because there is definitely is a element of comedy to, to the eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah, the eyes of Tammy Faye connection. is... Yeah, because the, the comedy theme on this one is quite vague. Um, yeah, so the eyes of Tammy Faye is a biopic about the 70s and 80s televangelist Tammy Faye and his, her husband, Jim Baker, played by Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. It shows them as young... Uh, God lovers uh, in in kind of the south of of the US um, and how they rise up to the worlds of television and TV dominance and and fame with their religious songs and messages um, alongside uh, whilst dealing with a, a bunch of controversy and and Tammy Faye herself having to go through uh, a large amount of personal uh, issues uh, and hate and and um, controversy and and you know obstacles in her way um it's a it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy um that you know that has now garnered uh, a oscar nomination for jessica chastain in as she plays the lead so um i i guess i have to start because i started you the last two times so i guess it's only fair if i start so the other thing is based on a 2000 documentary um which you have seen i haven't uh, also called the eyes of tammy faye um which was made during her lifetime um but this it obviously is about her whole life so there's also i'll mention this is directed by uh michael shawalter who uh is more famous for his comedy work he's directed uh stand-up shows he's also directed films such as the big sick and the lovebirds uh you know the, the kind of um well both films that star Camille and Johnny comedies, um, yeah, and this is kind of his, his most uh, serious or what kind of well-respected work or, or whatever. So, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, this performance includes ta- uh, an awful lot. I, I want to. This all. This also got a nomination at the Oscars for um, best makeup and hairstyling, and you can very much tell so because Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain are both caked in makeup, and I don't just mean uh, they've got a lot of mascara on, uh, they are kind of in the same makeup that uh, would that, that Jared Leto wears when he turns into Paolo Gucci, and I'll get to that in, uh, in a bit. Um, I am confused about my thoughts on the eyes of Tammy Faye. I have mixed thoughts on the eyes of Tammy Faye this story is definitely very intriguing the character of Tammy Faye is is warm and and you always want to hear what she's got to say she is a very well developed and, and rounded character that is played excellently by Chastain who definitely deserves an Oscar nomination um, but ultimately I feel like the film falls flat where it really shouldn't i feel like there is the the possibility this could be a, a great biopic but it never goes further than a very basic reading of the source material it it, it always feels like the story is dragging it along but there's just an area of, of nuance or or maybe some creative you know some some creative license that will allow us to get deeper into the to the thoughts and motivations of the characters the performances really are great i i really do want to emphasize that but i don't feel like this is the this 
from you know screenplay wise pacing wise directorially i just think that this is a basically the the anyone could have made this is just a let's turn the storytelling thing into a film without much inspiration you know um, i think someone that is more developed at, at making these kind of films someone like pablo lorraine or, or todd haynes or someone along those lines um would have an awful much better job kind of developing the character and later on and having as especially kind of the you know this is the rise and fall and i feel the fall is far too quick and not harsh enough it doesn't really feel that the emphasis of it um so I, I i do enjoy it because i think the story is very interesting i just feel really like it's fairly basically done essentially I, I don't know how you feel but yeah i mean the performances are going to be the things that people come to here for you know i guess you could talk to this in the same bracket things like the united states was billy holiday was in the last year's uh oscar conversation with you know a film that maybe wasn't loved but has a particularly strong performance you know this film was a lot better than the united states was billy holiday a lot lot better um uh, but you know realistically you're coming here for chastain and she's definitely a standout on the makeup and hairstyling they will start off angie garfield angie garfield's character uh jim baker ages and he as and they put a lot of effort making sure that you can tell he's aged and aged uh, and there are points where it really works. You know, he, he looks young when he's supposed to be. And when he kind of, in the first 20 years, it works. But he gets slightly more and more ridiculous. And it ends up with him looking like um, kind of, well, essentially exactly what he is. A man in his like late 30s pretending to be a 75-year-old. And it, it just comes across more like, well, actually, funny enough, look like more like Johnny Knoxville does when he trends to be an, uh, an old person than it does uh, an actual, you know, film quality uh, aging up jessica chastain's makeup you know tammy faye is a very kind of over the top person not only in her actions but in the way she looks she's you know kind of famously you know caked in makeup and that's kind of part of the and the the name of the eye of the eyes of tammy faye you know the fact that she's got all this um you know makeup you know strong heavy makeup on and stuff and you know i have no problem with that i have more of the fact that her facial structure uh, is comprised of, as I said, like Paolo Gucci makeup, but it's not of that quality. And I feel like I'm constantly conscious of the fact that she has a massive lump of prosthetic on her face. And I don't know if you could do any better. I just didn't feel like I did think that when I was watching House of Gucci, which obviously has similar things. I felt like here, I was like, is this supposed to be good? Because I no point did I, and I know obviously it doesn't help that I know who Jessica Chastain is. I know what she looks like. And, you know, obviously, you know, I already know what she looks like, so I know that it's going to be different. But I just didn't, I, I, I guess just because there's a lot of makeup and hairstyling, it's always going to get an Oscar nomination. But I didn't think that it looked good. I, I, I don't know, I don't know what you'll think, but yeah, I, I ultimately, you know, I wanted more out of Eyes of Tammy Faye. I, I, I very much enjoyed watching the story unfold. And, and, you know, Chastain is just, just, the, the nuances of, of the way that she sounds. I watched a few clips of, of Tammy Faye and you see a clip of her at the end as well. The way that she talks is, is very apt and, and she has that warm and feeling, that warm embrace, that, that, that real kind of the, the, the hug that she gives all of her viewers that you kind of, that, that attracted everyone to her televangelism. Chastain does that so well. You know, she's such a, a kind of a kind character. She, she does it excellently, but. I just thought the film was just a little bit disappointing, personally.
Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'll start uh, by saying what I think of the makeup because uh, it's kind of a nice segue into my review. Um, I do know what you mean about the makeup. I don't think uh, it was particularly great on Andrew Garfield, um, but I do disagree about Chastain. I thought it looks great on Chastain. Um, I do think it wasn't as good or well executed as it was in House of Gucci. Um, but also, and I don't know how... That's House of Gucci praise, by the way. Oh, God, I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the like the right way to phrase what I mean. It's a difficult point to articulate. But I think House of Gucci transformed Jared Leto so much. Like, he was unrecognisable as Paolo Gucci. He does not look anything like Paolo Gucci. He was in prosthetics from the top of his head to, you know his feet because he had the fat suit on as well he was covered in prosthetics he was unrecognizable so you couldn't see jared leto you could only see this new character that they'd created whereas with jessica chastain they only kind of changed um her cheeks they kind of left a lot of jessica chastain behind so you could still see Jessica Chastain, and it was almost a bit like the Uncanny Valley in a way. Like you can see that it's Jessica yeah, Chastain, yeah. but there's something different, and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. They've just changed her facial structure, and I think that's partly why it doesn't. I can feel put as my good. finger on what it is. It's the cheeks. Well, yeah, that, that's what I mean. But in terms of the 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 fact that they have, it's only the cheeks, really. They don't change much else about Jessica Chastain. There's a lot of Jessica Chastain still there. And there's just something off about it because there's so much Jessica Chastain. And I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it's almost if they use more prosthetics, I think it would have looked better. Because if you like Jared Leto, if you just lose Chastain completely in the uh, aesthetic look of it, then no one will be like, it just looks like Jessica Chastain, but with chubby cheeks. Um, it would just kind of be, oh my God, that's that's Jessica Chastain. Do you know what I mean? Is that have I explained it relatively mm, yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the makeup was very good, uh, and I definitely think it was uh, Oscar nomination worthy. Uh, and if it wins, I'd, I, th- I think it's worthy of that as well. Um, it was a little less uh, kind of perfect on Garfield, but I still think it worked very well on Garfield for the most part. Um, but it did look very goofy at the end. But again, it it is kind of a comedy vibe of a film, so it kind of fits. Um, but anyway, my my review in general. Um, I I don't like biopics generally. I generally have a disdain for biopics. I don't think many of them are very good. I think the issue with them, a lot of biopics, is they try and tell someone's entire life story. And it's like the quote from Mank, you know, you can't hope to capture someone's entire life in two hours. You can only hope to leave the impression of one. And biopics generally try to capture someone's entire life. You know, Respect follows Aretha Franklin from childhood to, you know, her 60s. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody covers, you know, 20 years of of Freddie Mercury's life. Um, uh, Even House of Gucci this year follows a scandal for like 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why I love Spencer so much, because Pablo Lorraine kind of zoomed in on three days and he didn't tell us princess diana's entire life Mm -hmm. he just left the impression of her life um and that's what will work so perfectly and he did it with jackie as well it's only set over a few weeks with jackie um but it's one of the best biopics i've seen um however this year there have been two biopics that fall into this category um that i've seen king richard 
and Tammy Faye. They both cover people's lives uh, from over the course of many, many years. And for some reason, I have no idea why, I love them both. And I love Tammy Faye the thing about a King lot Richard, more. King Richard isn't many years, though. King Richard's like four, four years. Well, we see, um, what's he called? Richard Williams, when he wants to have two daughters. And then we see the daughters yeah. go over time. Yeah, but the film period. is about a, about a three or four year period. I think it's, I would say it's the same. It's from like, then they're like 11 to like 15. It's longer than that, I think. But anyway, it's it's many years rather than you know a week, um, yeah. compared to Jackie or three days compared to Spencer, and then Tammy Faye that covers you know several decades, um, and I love Tammy Faye more than I love King Richard, but I love it regardless of the fact that it falls into this trope of, um, it tries to cover Tammy Faye's entire life, and it you can't capture someone's life, you know, forty plus years, you can't do that in two hours. So why do you even try to? And this tries to, and it does, you know, uh, hit some hurdles. Like you say, it, it kind of feels like it does parts miss. It doesn't do parts justice. Um, but I don't care. I just found it so charming and I really, really loved it. I think she had such a, an interesting life and such a tragic life as well. I felt so, so sorry for her, especially, uh, I watched the documentary and I read a lot about her life because I, I wrote an article about her. So I, um, I did a lot of delving into her life. She had such a tragic life. You know, her husband yeah. at the time yeah. was convicted of uh, fraud and accused of rape. And she got the brunt of the hate for it. She was hated and ridiculed uh, because she liked gay people and she was a woman who looked kind of ridiculous. Um and the scene at, towards the end of Tammy Faye where the people that she lives near, the, you know, she's lost everything and she's living in this small apartment and the people that she lives near are laughing at her um, because she looks so funny. And she goes over to them and says, like, you can laugh at me, but you've got to say hello as well. And that just sums her up. She was such a lovely person and she had such a tragic life. Um, and I think Chastain captures it so flawlessly so unbelievably flawlessly to the point where mm. I would say my preference for the best actress goes Stuart Chastain. I think she is fantastic in this film. And if Chastain wins, I, I will be happy. You know, I'll be sad that Kristen Stewart didn't, but I'll be very happy that Chastain did because she deserves it. This is a incredible performance. Mm. Mm. And I mm. love the film. I think the film is so fun. Uh, you know, I came out of it. I watched it. And for about a week after I saw it, I was walking around going, oh, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed, we are blessed, singing Christian Bible hymns. And it was great. And it's just so such a fun film to say that it tackles such a sad uh, story mm. and such a tragic story. Mm. Um, and I thought the directing was okay. The cinematography was pretty decent. Um, the screenplay as well. I thought the screenplay was quite good, but again, it falls into this trap of it's trying to tell a story of, you know, four decades in two hours. Mm. Um, but it, it was fantastic. Andrew Garfield was great, but, you know, Jessica Chastain completely, completely steals the show. She is just magnificent. And much like Moonfall, despite its many flaws, <laughs> I, I absolutely love this film so much. And it's not a film that I kind of think, 
it was brilliant. It was br- I just love it, and I I I can't articulate why. I know that we review films, and we should be able to articulate these things, but I can't explain why I love it so much. I just do. It's mm. it's just it, it's exactly my kind of thing, and I love it. And Tammy Faye was such a good person, such a sad. Uh, you know, she had such a sad life, a tragic life, and this film is the perfect way to pay tribute to her. It shows all of the brilliant things that she did, the reasons why people turned on her and hated her. You know, she interviewed an AIDS victim on Christian television to the outrage of everyone. You know, she she did an interview via satellite because the uh, Steve Peters was the name of the the AIDS patient. He was uh, he had he was going through chemotherapy, so traveling was dangerous. Um, but also because um, apparently, if he turned up to the set, people would just leave. They just walk out and refuse to film. Um, and she did it anyway, and she didn't care. And she did that so much. She spoke about people with addictions and people with marital problems. Everyone that the church rejected and you know stereotypically vilified, she opened her arms up to. And it was, she she's so amazing as a person. And this film does a wonderful job of capturing the essence of who she was. Um, and I think that's why I love it. I love Tammy Faye as a person. And this film does a wonderful job of showing who she was and how loved she was and how loving she was and kind and her unbelievable level of radical empathy um for someone that was so involved in the church you know the church at the time especially during when she was uh you know on television and televangelism um people her colleagues were saying that aids is a punishment sent from god and that homosexuality is a cancer the government refused to even say the word aids and mention it and talk about it and she was on television urging people to love everyone regardless of anything about them and that's just so incredible and this film shows that and it it could go deeper into that um but it's fantastic and the scene where she does interview steve peters um is one of the best scenes of the year one of the best acted scenes of the year that's the scene where it hit me and i was like holy shit she is a good actress and this is a brilliant performance she is fantastic in that scene and you know that scene in my opinion is what got her the oscar nomination and i think that scene is enough to give her a win i really think that she is jessica chastain is fantastic in this film it has its technical faults it does it's not perfect but i just adore it I adore it so much, and I, I'm what much like Moonfall. I'm watching Tammy Faye again tomorrow as well, because I, I just adore it. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, uh, some of the things that like you say I agree with. Um, yeah, like I think that scene is excellent acting, and there are definitely def- little bits here and there. Really, there's some really nice, uh, very well acted, very emotional scenes here and there that are very good. And I think her performance definitely really helps that. I think. Um, as again, I think yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio as well deserves uh, more credit as well. Yeah. I think he's very good here. Yeah, it's it's. I think there's a, at times it, it does feel slightly uninspired. I think uh, yeah, directorially, it does. but the positive is that whilst even though it it could go a lot deep, you know, it's, the social network this is not, um, but 
it does feel very watchable. I'll say that. You know, it, I talked a lot about pacing today. I've talked a lot about pacing recently. Uh, you know, it's paced well. It feels very. It's a very, very easy watch. You know, and and that is that is one thing I give them credit for. Um, it, it's it it doesn't feel like two hours. Uh, very stress free. Uh, ironically, with the stress that they go through, I think the biggest issue, if I had to pin one thing down, would be the screenplay. I think that a lot of the screenplay is is cringy and not in the Tammy Faye cringy way, in like the unintentionally cringy dialogue. I think that that a lot of this dialogue is very off. So I'd say that, that that's probably the weakest part here. Um, I've heard a lot of people say as well that the best scenes of this are ripped see like word for word from the documentary so i don't know if the, the i'm assuming that the struggles i had with some people the scenes that weren't directly based off her uh, off that but yeah the way that she transforms is is wonderful i think all of her little um the way that she talks all her little kind of micro actions her micro you know personality in, in her actions and the way she talks and everything it's, it's excellent it's very you know it kind of drags you to the screen uh, but otherwise, I think the film is fairly forgettable, unfortunately. Um, but maybe I'll get rewatched because, again, it was very, very, it was very easy to to view. Yeah, um, yeah. For yeah some, weird, weirdly, it... another one of the cinema, one of the films that got posters all over Cineworld, but then they're not showing it at the cinemas that they've got posters all over, which makes no sense. That is weird. Amazing. That is weird. But yeah, I um, I kind of agree. I think the screenplay is perhaps a little bit of a weak point. Um, I don't necessarily think that it was uninspired because I think this is a very kind of comedic, fun way to do a biopic, especially because the story is so sad. To do it in such a fun way is very true to to Tammy Faye. That rhymed. Hey, hey. Um, So I don't necessarily think that it was uninspired uh, in general. Um, But as a structure, as a screenplay, it was very uninspired. It was very clear cut. Um, Okay, we have to have her origin we have to have her meeting her husband falling in love with marrying setting up this doing this the downfall the aftermath that kind of stuff um and i think it definitely could have been done better but i i just love it i i just genuinely love it and i i feel so sorry um for tammy faye you know i just think oh yeah it's a tragic story it really is and it's even more tragic to see it i definitely recommend everyone to go watch the documentary uh, after watching the eyes of Tommy Faye, the film, um, because it's, it makes it even more sad. Documentary obviously is actually her. So it's a bit sadder. Um, and she had such a lonely life after, uh, the scandal at PTL. Um, she was completely alone and she talks about how loneliness impacted her. And it, it's just so sad. Um, and the film kind of captures that. And there are little films that I really appreciate when I watch the documentary that I thought that's in the film, but they didn't do it heavy handed. Like the scene where she, um, her mum dies and she takes her mum's glasses. Um, that's taken from in the documentary. She gives a bit of a speech about that. She says that she thinks the eyes are the uh, window into the soul. So when her friends die, she asks if she can have their glasses because then she thinks that she's viewing the world through their eyes and she's always got a little window into their soul. And I think that that's really a nice thing for her to believe, to, the real Tammy Faye to believe. And I think it's done really well in the in the film that it's just a fleeting moment. It's almost like an Easter egg for people that have seen the documentary, um, rather than outright saying it. You know, They could have very easily given Jessica Chastain the same monologue even that Tammy Faye reads in the 
it or says in the documentary, but they did it. It was just a moment. And I think it captures a lot of those little tiny things about Tammy Faye um, that are done so excellently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so what would you be uh, inclined to give this on a rating scale? I'm very conflicted because I, I loved it so much that I want to give it a 10, but I know that it's not a 10. What? I know that it's not a 10, but I loved it so much. Um, but I, I did love it a lot, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. 8.5 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I'm going to uh, give it a slightly more, um, slightly, slightly lower, 6.5. Because I did really enjoy it. I thought Chester was great. But I did just come out thinking, I'm kind of wishing for more, is what I'd say. Yeah. That's fair. And I really, I'm interested in the life of Terry Faye, and I will probably watch both of the, uh, the documentaries at some point. You can um, also read the article I wrote, which is my pinned tweet at, L- at LewisJWR. I'm, it's quite amateurish, actually. Self-promo. It, I, I would say it was quite disappointing, so I wouldn't personally read that read that wow. article. But, wow. Did you read the article? You, oh, no, no. I don't read anything you write. It's wow. just out there. Wow. If you do want to read high-quality sports journalism, you can go to sportsobsessive.com, <laughs> which uh, features two articles right now by Sam Houston. Um but yes. Okay, what about your man of the match? I feel like this one's probably going to be relatively easy, right? Yeah, just Chastain. Chastain. Yeah, completely. Yeah, For reasons that we've got into in detail. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very nice stuff, eh? Lovely so, stuff. Um, lovely stuff. Um, I'm excited to go and rewatch films. Moonfall tomorrow, and then I'm going to go and rewatch Tommy Fate tomorrow. Rewatch Moonfall. I cannot think of anything <laughs> worse than rewatching Moonfall. <laughs> Like, I would watch Paint Dry, but I think you'd probably have to pay me to go rewatch. I rewatched Batman vs. Superman in the cinema. I watched that shit two consecutive days, but I wouldn't go see fucking Moonfall again. I 15 quid, Moonfall. I'd pay 15 quid. You'd have to pay me. If you pay me, someone here 15 quid, I probably would watch it too fair, but not a penny less. If someone gave me £14.60, I would not go watch uh, Moonfall. What about £14.99? Yeah, we could probably make a deal. Fourteen ninety eight. Nah, it's a piss. I'll give you fourteen ninety eight if you go and watch it again. Yeah, if I get what they okay. Fourteen ninety eight. Shut up. <laughs> I um yeah I'm, I I I cannot think of anything worth rewatching me for, but I would happily rewatch the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Would you fair. rather rewatch uh, Moonfall or Monster Hunter? Hmm. It's a good question. Or would you rather watch Moonfall, Monster Hunter, or get bitten on the penis by a snapping turtle? It's one's a lot quicker than the other two. <laughs> probably the snapping turtle. Really? Yeah, I think I actually would. I You'd think I probably get, would actually. I, wow. I think I would. That is probably uh, the worst review of Moonfall we're going to get. <laughs> Don't watch Moonfall. Yeah. Get bitten on the penis by a snapping turtle. I think I'd rather <laughs> watch. I don't know. Monster Hunter was probably worse. Monster Hunter might be the worst film I've ever seen. Wow. I th- I think I'd rewatch Monster Hunter because I want to confirm what I watched was as bad as what I watched. But it was so <laughs> much more boring, which is impressive because Moonfall was ridiculously boring. Wow. I don't know. I that is like the that's the the anti. You know, I kept talking in the. Um, you'll know this, but the other people won't know this. That I kept talking about Sophie's Choice in uh in the awards section uh review we did uh this is the opposite of sophie's choice this is sophie's choice except for she hates both her kids <laughs> which would have been a far better film i think um 
which kid do I want the least? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like Adam McKay's next film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Sandler's choice. Okay. <laughs> That's all for today. Will Ferrell. So next time we'll, we'll probably be either doing uh, the new Uncharted film, Death on the Nile, or Oscars stuff. So it'll be one of those. I'm off in a couple hours to Vienna, so uh, I'll see you on the other side, boys. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Samich Media uh, and Lewis JWR, uh, respectively. I'm sure you can work out which one's which. And on the podcast at Now Showing Pod, and you can find us on Letterbox at Sam Houston and LJWR. Uh, you can uh, contact the podcast directly if you need for any purpose at NowShowingPod@gmail.com. We are pr- proud to be members of the Now. Fuck! Every time. <laughs> We're proud to be members of the Music City Drive-In Network. You can find them on their website to find a host, a whole host of different articles and podcasts about the likes of film, sports, and music, especially a lot of Oscar stuff right now. And you can find them on Twitter at MCDIPod. If you want to help us out, the best way to do so is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get up rankings. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. You didn't take time. You didn't delay.